0: a dose of hope.com. Our guest today is Dr. Felicia Froh. Felicia is the owner of Money with a Mission, an investment company focused on empowering professional women to build wealth and achieve financial freedom through social impact investing. As a real estate syndicator, Felicia has partnered with like-minded investors and has raised money for several social impact projects, including a residential assisted living home in Kansas City, focusing on providing elderly residents experiencing memory problems with personalized care. With her partners at the Echo Alliance Group, she is providing healthy food to food desert areas with indoor vertical farms and grocery stores. In addition to real estate investing, Dr. Froh is a licensed urological surgeon with over 20 years of experience. She has written many best-selling books, including How to Create Wealth That Outlives You. Plus, she's an advocate for sharing the great work others are doing for their community through her podcast, Money with a Mission. Dr. Felicia Froh teaches Robert about food deserts and indoor tower farming, and the importance of developing programs nationwide to not only end hunger, but to create systems that make healthy options more convenient. Convenience has risen up and in many low income neighborhoods, there are a plethora of fast food options, but no healthy options. And this leads to a rise in the incidence of diabetes and other food related illness. This is not a we should, this is a we must make healthy eating more convenient and sustainable. Felicia, it's so great to meet you. So great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to to be able to share
1: with your audience.
0: And I want to thank our mutual friend, Billy Keels, for introducing you. And man, he's he's such a wonderful young man. I want to say young man. (laughs) I'm a a grandpa and he's a father. I guess I can say that that way. Um, But what a what a great introduction, and, and I'm just looking forward to sharing your story and yeah and your passion with our audience. So
1: Billy and I have been friends for a while, and I don't I guess I don't think of him as a young man, but he's kind of like my brother. So he's like my he'd have to be my little brother, I guess, if we were going to be in that family. So yeah, he's a young guy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right, Felicia, we just start each episode with our guest. Uh, sharing their journey into this entrepreneurial space and the impact they're having and and how they made that transition.
1: Okay. So as you guys heard, I'm Felicia Fro, MD. I did not start as an entrepreneur. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, did I even know what an entrepreneur was or did I use that word back when I started into everything that I do, medicine particularly? And I I don't remember. I know I use it a lot more now, obviously. Um, But My family, my father was a veterinarian or is a veterinarian. My mother, social worker, both very highly educated. And that's what they expected of us. And even back to my grandparents were um, very educated. And that's back in a time when Black people were not educated, but they strove past all of that. became very educated. So our family lineages go to school, get a job, work there till you retire, and then enjoy your life. That's what I knew. So that's what I did. I figured out what I wanted to do. And that's also a long story, but we can go to there later. (laughs) Became a physician, became a urologist. And at the time I became a urologist in 93, I was one of the first 100 female urologists in the country. Started that whole practice. And for those who don't know, urology has been primarily a man's field or it's a, it's a field that treats mostly male issues. Yes, women have urinary tracts. And yes, we do treat women in kidney stones and that kind of stuff, but mostly it's guys. So you can imagine it was a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a um, interesting ride through residency. But once I got into practice, I was um, in, started working mostly with female urology. But in my practice, it was about two or three years into that when I just had this this is not the last thing you're going to do. Or, and, and at the same time, is this all there is? So that stayed there. It was very, it was scary. I mean, I've just gone through all of this stuff to become a physician and now I'm at the, hmm, maybe this isn't it. Interestingly. Oh, I know what i was like. How did I get to this, to the book? I read rich, rich dad, poor dad. I got there because a friend of mine, we moved to Kansas city we actually went into business with some other physicians, bought a building. We were going to re- live in that building or live in that building, practice from that building. And we were starting another business. And a woman introduced me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, this it hadn't occurred to me that I was an entrepreneur at this point at all. I'm a physician. I'm doing this thing. Da da, da. She introduced me to that book. I read that book, which was just like, oh, it's so many terms that I hadn't ever really thought about that made so much more sense to me. And it was from that point, I'm going to say that I really, really began the entrepreneurial journey and working with this woman, Cheryl, who was an insurance, she owned an insurance business. She pretty much kind of started this business. And it's not with a with a traditional brand name insurance. She started an insurance company for truckers,
0: built okay. that business
1: into something big. <laughs> um, and now doing some real estate things too. But at that time, we were looking to start a fem- a women's health center In our town, and that it didn't go, but it was it was that start of that journey for me working with her and working with another physician who we both both of us were learning from her. That was where we started. In Rich Dad, Poor Dad, we played Cashflow 101. I got into real estate investing. And we built that real estate investing so fast. Actually, I started, I took my first leap into investing single family house. One of my patients went with me to show me, she was a real estate investor and she never seemed to be working. So I, I wanted that life. <laughs> so she went with me to this first house and we went through it. and she said, look, look, if you don't buy it, I'm gonna buy it. If you buy it, we'll let you use our crew to rehab it. If you buy it and can't rent it or start losing money on it, I'll buy it from you. So there's no loss there at all. That was our beginning. We went built up to 18 properties in about two years in the 2006, 2007, 2008 timeframe. You imagine, we lost all of those properties in that 2008, 2009, 2010 timeframe, basically because we had lack of capital. Didn't exactly know what we were doing. We had read a book. We started doing it and just kind of got caught up in that whole situation. So that was our first really, really big lesson in investing. Be well capitalized. Um, and. Actually, our first really big lesson in entrepreneurship be able to keep your it's a cash flow game, it really is. Um, that I heard you talking to another one of your guests about bottom, that was my bottom. Lost all of our stuff, my marriage fell apart at that point, and that not to say that that thing in and of itself was the end of my marriage or caused the end of my marriage, it was the time to end it and start all over again. So that's what we did. And um, I realized that I did want to do real estate investing. I thought that was the way to achieve the things I wanted to achieve, which was financial freedom and have passive income. Thought at that time that was the thing that I was supposed to be doing um, from that long time ago. That first seed that got got planted about this isn't what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Um, this seemed like that was what it was. What I where I was going with that. So got back in. And over time realized, I don't really like this just single family house thing. I learned about syndications and investing with other people and building a team. It's like, oh, I really don't like apartments. This is just kind of boring. And I can't, res- oh, resorts. Like this is, I mean, this is good. And like medicine, I can do it and I can be good at it, but it's kind of boring for me. Learned about residential assisted living, which was um finding homes, building a home for elderly to take care of them in a home-like setting and not an institutional-like setting. That struck me. That was a purpose. That was a reason to do something, not just to make money. And we built our first residential assisted living home shortly thereafter. And I had my company at that time was called Something Else. And working with some people, working with a coach, working with some really good business people. It was like, this name that you have doesn't make any sense. I'm not even going to tell you what the name was. Doesn't make any sense. And I just so happened I had decided I was going to do a podcast and I had gone online and bought a bunch of URLs and I had bought money with mission. And she said, why isn't your name money with mission? Because that that's what you do. Everything you talk about is having an impact. It's about doing something for something besides money. I fought it. I fought it. I fought it when I finally accepted Money with Mission, it became, it just was like, oh, what am, What was I thinking about? What was I thinking about? That, this is who I am, Money with Mission. This company, investing, helping people invest, realizing that you can invest to have social impact and a financial return, that's, that's, it, was, it just became everything to me. And it was that, it was once I got there that I really could start. Going in the direction I wanted to go of having the social impact, plus helping people get a financial return. You know, so much more ups and downs in that whole that whole thing. That, that's the highlights
0: of the situation. Nice. So are you still primarily investing in residential assisted living facilities, or that, that was the beginning. That
1: was the beginning, and no. Um, I'm still trying to figure that model out a little bit because we had bought one and we were running it and I decided I don't want to run assisted living home. I, I want to either buy it and put a, put a operator in there or, um, something along those lines, but running one is very, very challenging. And I was long distance and it's just oh, so much, yep. I In that time frame, I met other people. So one of the things about being an entrepreneur and deciding that this is where you're going, even if you don't. I don't know when I started calling myself an entrepreneur. I don't really remember that. But when you're doing something and you have a reason, you start working with other people and meeting a ton of people, networking, and I don't even call it networking. It's just going to events, you meet people. And I had met this guy who was interested in um, growing food in places we don't usually grow a lot of food, so indoor controlled farming. And he was starting a project and he asked me if I could be the fundraiser for it so I got into that project and then we actually built ultimately a grocery store in the food desert we actually haven't gotten the indoor controlled farming thing done but the grocery store in the food desert has become such a huge thing for me realizing getting food to people and just kind of the whole process of making that happen and the and the impact that it has had on the town that we're in Tulsa Oklahoma Um, is just amazing to me. And so now I'm really working a lot into affordable housing and affordable housing with groceries intertwined into that model so that we don't create more food deserts in addition to um, building a model where we can put grocery stores in food deserts and those grocery stores can be self-sufficient and profitable. So That's where more where I'm focusing at this point is that type of thing, affordable housing with food, good and and helping people understand how to eat. So that part is more my, that's my medical side coming out. And one of the most frustrating, one of my most frustrating things with medicine is that, and you were talking to, I think it was your, one of your last guests that I listened to Zach, I think we're talking about the mind body connection and in traditional Western medicine, we don't connect those things at all. It is about fixing whatever body part is bothered at that point and not helping you understand what your mind is doing to affect that body part. We don't oh, have time. There's,
0: there's, there's a lot. There's so many places we could go Felicia. Yes. <laughs> yes. Man, you yes. just, you just, all right. So my, my mother just spent the last four and a half years in, in a residential assisted living and, I'm just going to share it openly that it's been a nightmare and really? so and not because of the facility because of staffing and yes and poor management and and so so I don't need to go down that road. I just had to get it off my chest. <laughs> so that I, I'm I'm glad that you've recognized the challenge in management and said, let's go somewhere else let's and do, do something, something different.
1: different. Yeah. It, it is very. It's a very challenging because of the staffing model. My dad's wife was just in a a, a bigger facility. They, they're building them now, big, but they look small in the inside when you're there. Right. And he was so unhappy with that because of
0: staffing. He said people are just there's st- there's just a lot of problems there's a well, lot of and, problems and, and i understand there's staffing <coughs> issues there's staffing issues across the country there's staffing issues across industries i've i've spoken to a fight bowl manufacturer to to uh, uh a young man who's who's doing um events and and event planning and and he they all say like we pay well we we take care of our people and and we still you know so, so many challenges and of course, the challenges in assisted living is obviously these are people that are at the end of their, their life and they're yeah. like two year olds. And so they they have a lot of needs and they need a lot of care. And you need people that are heart centered to to be employed. They're not people that are just trying to make 20 bucks an hour. And, and there's, a, there's a huge difference.
1: <laughs> yes, there's definitely a difference. And you they are special people that are meant to do that. And, yeah, and they should be taken talk- care of. We could talk about a lot of things, about as far as why it's hard to find people and the way our society is today. And there's so many places to go with
0: that. But yeah, well, it's just, you, know, <laughs> it, you said that that there are people, and there absolutely were. My my mom was also under hospice care, and once she was under hospice care, this was a different set of people that are caring yes. for her and traveling from facility to facility. Those people ultimately saved my mom's life and saved her well being because the staff had actually abandoned the facility. The mm-hmm. the people working for the facility left it and left it empty with the five residents that were there at that time. And yeah, craziness. But oh that's a nightmare. Oh yeah. No oh that my and the challenge is that these things are popping up. Obviously our our country is aging faster than it's than it's <laughs> growing and and there's more and more people that need that level of care. But when a family like ours who's cash paying we're not using, you know, Medicare, Medicaid. Yep. Yep. and and you're spending the amount of money that we were spending. Yep. They should be able to have staff. You would think. <laughs> they would they say. should be able to have staff. And so, so it's yeah, it's just it's just a terrible another place that if you're listening and you have a heart for that, that that you this is an area where entrepreneurs need to step in and, and create great solutions.
1: That yes, that or and or whether it's a home or if you have your parents or and you're they're getting to that or even if you're young and your parents are young and your parents are doing great, start thinking about there's gonna come a time when they are going to need some help. And whether you invest for yourself, or you're just like, you have to have the money to make it happen. So, however you go about it, somebody in your house to help take care of them, you take care of them and don't go to work, whatever, just think about all the reasons to invest. And I know we talk about it when we come out of school, we're taught you invest so that you can retire. A lot of life happens before you retire that you need money for. So that's oh, my whole thing is that you got to have it. You got to have income coming in multiple just, streams as far as much as you can.
0: Just had a conversation with uh, a group of my clients this morning and and someone mentioned, yeah, I'd I'd help that 19 year old, you know, put $50 a month in, in the Roth IRA. I'm like, man, I wish somebody would have told me to put $50 a month <laughs> in the Roth IRA when I was 19. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that would be, that'd be a huge thing. You know, I, our family was blessed that my dad did the right thing. He worked his tail off for 28 years for the same company, and he saved 20 to 30 percent from the time he was 40. He started late because he lost everything and had to start over. But, mm-hmm. but my parents had the resources for my mom to be in a facility that was $6,000 a month. Yeah. Uh, that's that- <laughs> not many. Not many folks have that have that <clears throat> kind of nest egg. And, yeah, and our government is pretty much and. For good or for bad, that the the system is created right now that you either have your own money and you have to spend it to do it, or you're broke, and the government will take care of it and give you give you the same level of care, just so you know the same level of care. <laughs> so, and the sad thing is, there's lawyers out there telling you, "Hey, get rid of all this money, hide all this money, and 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 be broke because that's what's that's what's better for you to not have to pay for it. It's not a good idea. I, we, our family refused to do that, but. They're, there are people out there making that recommendation. Yeah,
1: there there definitely are people out there making that recommendation, but it's not the same level of care. Many <laughs> of those residential assisted living homes that are private pay only, they're not even going to take folks that are getting government assistance. Uh, and it is, and this definitely different. If you imagine that you're paying, he's paying $6,000 a month and can't get good staffing. Imagine if you're getting, if you're get $5,000 a month, that's what the government might be paying or $3,000, depending on what your parent needs. And then, you know I mean? That just drops the staffing down right there. You have, at least in our home, we had two, two staff or one staff member for every six residents. And some of these places, there's one staff member for 20. And so mm-hmm.
0: it's just, it's really, really tough, really hard. But I like so. what you said. Let's, 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 Get some investments. Let's get some, get some real estate. Get some assets that are earning, um, rental properties that, that are earning and earning equity. And and those are things that that you can sell if you need to to, to take care of a loved one and plan on that. And so I, I like that that solution is, yes. is is wisdom, right? It's just it's, the stuff
1: to think about. Even if you ha- and having the assets at cash flow, so you don't have to necessarily sell it. It's cash flowing for you, so you can use that money to pay for that kind of stuff. That's, that's even better. So
0: even better. Absolutely. All right. So one of the things you started early or, or started working on is w- women's healthcare. Obviously you were women in a man's world and in, in a lot of ways, and, and now y- you want to empower women and, and target women and let women know that, that, Hey, there's a place for you to invest. There's a place for you to learn about investing. Um, I'm a huge champion of, of this. I, I've, the idea that women have been, in, you know, in, in the household and 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 having this these roles where they don't feel empowered to invest, they don't feel encouraged to invest. Um, I, I saw this this chart that talked about money and mm-hmm. and talked about the areas of money. And women are women are equal with men when it comes to paying the bills. Women are equal with men when it comes to it comes to saving. Women are equal with men when it comes to understanding yeah these levels of money, but there's this huge inequality when it comes to investing, yes,
1: yes, women will do not invest at the same rate as men, and there's probably lots of reasons for that. Some of them have been cited are let more risk averse, which I don't know is necessarily true. It's we spend a lot more time and another little statistic is we actually do better over time with our investing than men do. Mostly I believe because we spend more time on the front end investigating that and understanding it before we invest. Mm. Sometimes we spend too much time and take a long time to pull the trigger and lose out the opportunity cost um, because of fear of losing money as opposed to fear, as opposed to the um, thought of gaining money so that we, we let our fears guide us a little more than the potential upside of something. And one thing I like to say is money is, is, is not a finite thing. There's so much money in the world and money can be made in so many different ways. And it's just to, for us, we have to, it's our mindset with money. It's like just thinking of money as a thing to have and I have it in my bank and it looks pretty. And when I go to my bank account, it's got this many zeros or whatever that's doing nothing for you. You're actually losing with that one because inflation's taking it away from you. So having your money out, doing something, working for you, just like you're out working for money, let money work for you. And then you do better in the
0: long run. You really do. And there's two parts to that. I think one is we've got an entire generation um, that was taught not to talk about money. Yes. And it's typically lower income, middle income. You know, we don't talk about money. We don't, so when they get into a marriage, they don't talk about money, they don't mm-hmm. make plans with money, they're just working for money. They've been taught, yes. you know, your value is based on what you can earn per hour. And and we're not having these conversations about how money works. We're not playing cash flow 101 and learning that, whoa, wait, if I buy a restaurant and and it does this and I get more money, and yeah, you know, and really even Monopoly, Monopoly is really cash flow 101 well, ex- and at a, at a, at a focused level. And yes, and people get caught <laughs> up in we've created a culture of spenders rather than a culture of people understanding that money is made to work. Money is made to to do something for you rather than be the end game. And, And even looking at my dad's investment strategy and, 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 they did a great job. They did fantastic. they did exactly what you're supposed to do. And mm-hmm. we'd go to his investment advisor and they pull out the computer and they pull out the chart and says, well, see, if you live till you're 95, this is the, <laughs> this is where you got to sell the house. And, and <coughs> if your expenses are at this level, you know, you got to sell the house and then <sighs> is that what it's all about? Right. Is this, this, <laughs> well, if you live to 95, you got exact amount of money to maintain your lifestyle. Yeah versus having the cash flow and and other opportunities to to leave legacy and think beyond these these retirement years and and i think you know to to just plan for retirement is there i mean first of all there's a problem with that because my wife nearly died last year and and if she had she's she's not even 50 yet and so all those retirement plans working her health, self to the bone and and hating her job and feeling miserable in her life. And that mind body connection is impacting, you know, her body and her future. Yeah. Yuck. Why? Why? why, That's not the, that's not the, the end game. And so I think people need to think bigger with their money. They need to think bigger with their opportunity and, and not get so fear-based in their decision-making.
1: hundred percent agree. And the, the, the thought of, I mean just it's that whole thing of you work 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 until you can retire and like we said so many things happen in between starting work and retiring that may require you not to work as much i mean we have the we have the wage gap already of women making 80 i don't remember the number 83 cents for every dollar and part of that is about we have to leave the workforce at some point many of us to have our children take care of our children Maybe take care of a parent or somebody else who needs care. Then we get back in the workforce and we're already behind. As opposed to you start out in, your, in the workforce, you put your money into something that's going to grow and give you more money, send you m- money with friends, lots of money, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And you're going to keep spending because you have to. We have to consume. But if you if it's working harder for you than you are for it, you have more of it to do that with and more options in your life. To do the things you want to do you don't necessarily have to put your kids in daycare if you don't want to if you want to great i'm not saying quit your job if that's what you love do it i promise you you'll love it more if you know you don't have to do it you could do something else if you wanted to that's that's the biggest thing for just
0: having options right we're creating options where you don't feel like you're a slave to to your job like you're stuck i gotta i have no op i have no options and i think a lot of americans feel like they have no options when they really they really do have options if they would explore them. And I love yes. that. I mean, you mentioned the wage gap. And, and obviously, you mentioned a justification for the difference, right? Women take some time off to have babies, they take some time off for for taking care of family. But in my mind, I it's it's inexcusable that there's not more women at the table, there's not more women voices um, in in the entrepreneurial space in in the corporate space, because I think women bring a different perspective and and women bring a different expertise and and a different skill set to the table and a different, like you talked about women, women who are investing are in it for the long game and they're not making, they're not making an emotional, you know, pull to protect the money like some men are. And, And that's interesting to me because I think some of the reasons that at least the way the church would say women aren't qualified to lead, aren't qualified to be in positions of leadership is because of the emotional side of the protector side or the mama side. And and so it's interesting to me that, that women actually do better. And, <laughs> and, but I think that I think we're missing. I know the church is missing out from my perspective of 20 years of ministry, not having women in in the boardroom and in the room where the decisions are being made that we're missing a voice. We're missing the piece, and and it and it breaks my heart that that's happening across the board. Although more and more, like women CEOs, there there are women rising up <laughs> to those positions, but there's not enough. It's it's
1: it's, it's happening, and the to, the thought of um just this whole that women cannot do it because we are emotional or whatever. What, what emotions are a part of everything. Everything. So we all have men. them. We all have them. And if we can work together, it doesn't mean that women should lead everything. It doesn't mean that men should lead everything. If we work together, I, I mean, it, it makes me just like, how much better would we be if we'd listen to each other? If we talk to each other, if we came to some, okay, collaborate between all of us, we come up with a much better idea than any one of us could have had together that that's a world I would love to be in. Mm. That's
0: just amazing to me. Me too. Well, and, and obviously I think part of the wage gap is this idea that you don't talk about money and the companies have gotten away with this idea of you can't tell anybody your salary. Well, that's BS because Um. now I'm sitting across somebody who's working the same exact job I'm doing and we're getting the same exact outcome. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I've got, I've got one friend who's really good at Excel spreadsheets and he can do the work in two hours that somebody else takes eight hours. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, what? where's the fairness in that either? And right. And but we're not exactly. allowed to talk about what we're getting paid. And that's and I think that's one of our challenges now is is we need to make it OK to talk about money. I want to talk about money. I want to talk about the interest rate I'm paying. I want my neighbor to know what fees I paid when I bought my house so they know what fees they should be paying when they bought their house and and making sure our mortgage rates are fair. If we're talking about money, A lot of this inequality goes away because they can't get away with it.
1: Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. And even if you can't think about talking to your neighbors about your money, talk to your kids about your money. Let your kids
0: understand the the whole way it works. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson. Available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, 2Dream.com. That's Empower, number 2, Dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. And the other thing about my kids, they
1: I wanted them to see that life is not always easy. Things happen that make you have to figure it out you have to pivot you have to change course because something didn't work out the way you wanted it to so all of that stuff we we to me if we just would start with our kids yes they see hard things they they are smarter than i think we give them credit for and can cool. come back from things and i think we give them credit for i think they have to be protected and bubble wrapped and all that kind of stuff the kids are here to save us i promise you and we have to give them the tools to do that
0: <laughs> just- absolutely well i you know it was interesting we were we were missionaries we lived in south america for for 10 years and everybody the first question was always how do your kids handle it like whatever my kids are fine like they learn spanish like naturally faster than i could they yes. the heck out of me they they that travel is normal to them this this different culture is normal to them they they don't Kids, my kids don't have any issues. I've got all the issues. I'm the one that's a mess. I can't figure this out. I'm the one who wants to, you know, learn Spanish. I gotta take a nap every day. Like, what about me? But I, I love that you want to. So I'm a big mindset coach. I deal with mindset all the time. And so much trash about money is planted by our parents and <coughs> unintentionally, right? Like yes, we're going yes. through the store and, and you want a little toy, and your parents say we can't afford we that. We
1: can't afford that.
0: The- Instead of saying, remember we've got to pay for the mortgage and the and the water bill and the gas bill and the electric bill and so so really we could afford that but then we'd have to give up something else or and, they, and so having the conversation in the in the real world with real terms so that kids understand that oh I I understand how money works right yes we can't just we can't just spend it at random on a toy because we've got to do all these other things or well, we or don't have that conversation can. it's quick and easy to just say oh like nope. we can't afford it it's easy yeah. that's the easy
1: or it's the same thing I mean parenting is challenging we the, oh absolutely been hard so sometimes <laughs> it is because I said so because I don't feel like going into that right now sometimes it is <laughs> Most of the time to me, there's a conversation around it, especially we can't afford it. That's, that's not an answer. How could we afford it? We have, we have this, 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 and this, and this to pay. How do you think we could afford to get that mm. and let your kids come up with creative ideas on how they could actually get that.
0: Cool. Well, mom, maybe Love if that. I
1: did this, maybe if I did that, maybe if this happened, we'd have more and then I could do this. That's the way you get your kids to really understand how money works to me. Um, just that change that little bit of a just a little bit of the phrasing well how could we afford it then you got to go through all the things you have so they can see that they're like oh i don't
0: know mom i don't know how we could do that i don't know dad how could we do that oh but empower empower it yeah empower that mind to come up with creative solutions and man you just never know (laughs) the options that'll man that that question the power of curiosity and planting that seed of curiosity in your kids and you know i one of the one of the guests i've had on they were planning a trip to to uh, England and they're going to Harry Potter and 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 so the kids were asking for ice cream and they're saying, Well, we can we can choose. We can have ice cream today, but we're gonna miss out on some spending money when we're at when we're at Harry Potter's wizarding world. <laughs> so which which would you rather have? And and the kids were like, I want ice cream, like <laughs> yeah, so they still they still might choose ice cream. Yes. But but at least now they've got it. They've got an option, and they've got an understanding of the sacrifice they might be making. It's right? and I think, I think there's too much in our world of taking away the consequences. Right? Yes, yes, yes. We yes. as a culture have been trying to take away the consequences of mistakes, and the truth is, there's consequences when you make mistakes. There's consequences of of losing a game. There's consequences of of failing and running out of money. But yet, if you're having that conversation and you're showing the kids, look, I we we got into this this investment stuff and we we ran ourselves too thin we didn't have enough cash flow and 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 we're starting over like you know I you know I'm so proud of my dad twice our family moved back into mobile homes Uh and, and started over and my parents my dad was a steel worker and and union job in the 80s and in 1982 it all went away and they they sold the dream house on the two acres of land and we moved to the big city again back and and automobile a mobile home and started over. Yeah. And, yeah. And and it yeah. You know, dad didn't talk about it as much because I, I obviously I think his pride and everything else but I saw it. I saw what we did. I saw that you know looking back as an adult at least I can say I saw it. Yes. And and, and you can start over. Yeah. You can yeah. start over and no matter what age you're you're listening to this. You you can be in your 60s and you can start over and the money's out there, right? If you're somebody in your 60s, you've got so much expertise, so much wisdom, so much to offer the world that, that there's people out there that need that wisdom and are willing to pay for it. And, and yeah. they will compensate you well if you put it out there in a way that they can consume it. That's really the
1: interesting. One of the things that I was told as a physician, talking to other physicians when I was talking about, I don't want to do this forever. I want to go do this. I want to do They're like, what else can you do? You're a doctor. That's all you're, that's what you do. And um, I actually bought into that for a while, and
0: then it clicked me. It's like, wait, I became a doctor. I can do anything. I, it's just so I the, the opportunity what? cost, right? Like, like I think that the sunken cost fallacy is so big oh, in yes. so many areas in, in so much business, right? And so most physicians, and I know, I know some. I mean, my mom, my mom worked for a physician, and his son became a physician, and his son hated it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and well, his son now happens to be a really good comedian and an announcer for um, American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> my, really? Yeah. My mom worked for his father and he became a physician and he hated it. But that sunken cost fallacy implies that because of the investment that you've made, you can't stop you gotta and, keep going. and change it. And there's too many entrepreneurs, there's too many businesses out there focused on the sunken cost instead of the opportunity. Yeah. And so they're missing it. out. And and you got past it, like you recognize, wait a minute, that that's in my past. That's all bull. It's irrelevant. If I cut that off, it doesn't matter. I can still make a choice to pivot and do something completely new exactly. starting today. And, so and- valuable and so important for other people to hear. I
1: didn't think about it as a financial side with that. You just said the sunken cost, the sunken cost fallacy. I more thought about it. They thought mentally that we weren't. I was like, we're smart people. incredibly like, smart, smart to become doctors. I'm a figure. smart person. I can do a lot of things. I just got to figure it out. And are there things I'm out here trying to do that? I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. Of course, of course. And then I'd listen to somebody and I was like, okay, I can figure that. I can do that. Okay. And Or, or if you're like, you don't want to figure it out. There's so many people out there wanting that wanting who love doing that thing. You hate doing so many. It's just, there's no reason not to take the step. If that's what you want to do something different, it's scary as heck. It's scary. Take it. And your wings are going to come out. I promise just go. So much
0: power in what you, what you just talked about. And and entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, especially feel like they've got to wear every hat right they're The chief, every, Everything officer. Yeah. And and they'll never scale. Their business will never grow beyond their limitations. And and if they cut off some of those things that they hate doing and and outsource them and hire somebody and pay somebody, they'll make twice as much because they free up so much energy and so much time. And and, and their heart can be in it because they're doing the thing that they really love. Yep. And so don't get caught up in this idea that you, Oh, I'm the entrepreneur. I got, I got to do it all. I got to, I got to do the bookkeeping and the accounting and, and I got to, I got to go out and do the clients and the sales and the marketing. And no, you can outsource a bunch of that stuff and focus on the thing that, that brings you joy and, and passion. And so now you've yes. combined, you've combined your business with your outreach. You've combined your business with your cont- contribution to the community and i think that's one of the most beautiful things that contribution is such an important part of that flow of money and and making an impact in the community and so i love this sustainable food in in the desert and and creating these uh farms in cities that can yep. sustain and create food so share more with me about your your drive for that and how it's working and what how you want to multiply that and scale that <laughs> the interesting
1: thing is, we've just had a little bit of a setback. You know how sometimes you're working with people that just don't, it just happens. You work, I've learned a lot of lessons in the past couple of years about how to choose who I'm going to work with. So recently, I've just had a little breakup, and like a couple days ago, it's been, it still feels, I still have the sting of it. Um,
0: Sorry.
1: It's, you know, Ouch. it's a part of the whole thing, right? It's, it's like, okay, I got to get out of bed, I got to move on yes, I lost money there, but I got to move on. I still, I still believe in food. I still believe in healthy food. I still believe that people need access to healthy food. When I, before our grocery store came into this food desert, there were 15 fast food restaurants in a two block area stretch with no place to get fresh food. There's still 15 fast food restaurants, but there is a full service grocery store there now too. So you have a choice. You can go in there and get fresh produce. You can go in there and get fresh meat, not already cooked, pro- heavily processed food. That's going to cause all the kind of things in your life that.
0: Well, and our, our country's sacrificing health for convenience. I mean, we're sacrificing a lot of things for convenience, right? Convenience, <clears throat> convenience trumps so many things in, in life. Yeah. If you're not intentional, people, so many people are living by default and and their their lives are going through the motions and convenience in that model wins, which, of course, in our free market, our free market economy that that obviously drives you know businesses and decisions. Right. We if we satisfy this convenience, if we can make it easier, they're they're going to keep pushing the button and keep on, you know, keep on spending their money with us.
1: Yeah, I guess I. My frustration with that part is that if we made it more expensive, people would buy better food. So we Maybe. have our, our good food, our good I don't our good cigarettes food, cigarettes
0: are $10 a pack.
1: There's less still, smokers than there were before. There's, there's, there's less. There are I mean, I, is everybody going to stop going to McDonald's? No. People they're are gonna still go to buying
0: them though. They are. They are. But I and, I, I saw that at, I don't know. I just saw it at a Circle K little gas station I'm like ten dollars a pack I'm like oh my I like it's holy smoke I had no idea like I wasn't even paying attention I know it's not a thing in my world but I I quit when they were ten dollars a carton not ten dollars <laughs> a pack like <laughs> man and I only I only smoked for a short time because it just was peer pressure in the military and you know I think once you're I hope once you're <laughs> educated that the majority of that you realize holy I smoke this know. is This is the worst thing in the world I could be doing to my body, but
1: did it even taste good? That's the other thing.
0: It's like that doesn't even seem like it's gonna taste good. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's nothing. I don't know.
1: I guess like maybe I'm maybe I'm um optimistic that if we change our pricing structure that you could get healthier foods for cheaper, that people would do it. Maybe the convenience will always win out. I don't know. I was a part of a program here called Fresh Rx Food is medicine, 50 diabetics, out of control diabetics. We provided them fresh produce every two weeks. And our results we did, for one year, we just finished our first year. They lost over 200 pounds. It might've been over 400, but I don't want to exaggerate. So over 200 pounds, A1C, which is a measure of your, how well your diabetes is controlled. Normal is at six. We st- we took people at eight and above. We had our best result was somebody from 14 down to six Wow. with just changes in their food. So of course now their A one C is six. They have less medicine, which means they can they have more money because they're not spending money on medicine.
0: Mm. Well, and more capability because they're not stuck. They're not stuck in in this body that's rebelling against them. They're in in that
1: less less risk of losing limbs, less risk of heart attack, less risk of the healthcare cost for that change. I don't even I don't remember the number, so I'm not going to lie. But it was in the multiple thousands, double digit. Five-digit thousands of dollars. Well, and like that's a solution yearly. to a,
0: a, a rising epidemic. This is not diabetes; is not going away anytime soon. And our culture is on a crash course with with a crisis. Ultimately, right? Insulin and, and all these drugs do
1: not is, fix it. Drugs do not cure no, it.
0: We don't. We don't. We don't cure disease in this country. No. We, we, we manage treat symptoms. We manage it and yes, exactly. We treat, treat symptoms. symptoms. Treat it's a symptoms. disease, it's a disease care system because it's focused on disease and not focused on health. Oh my and gosh. You're, you're the doctor and we were gonna go down this road yet. And so I guess here we are.
1: Uh, um <laughs> it was the thing about medicine. It is the thing about medicine that I hate that the um the business side of medicine is the hardest part because we are, it is a business. You do have to make money. You have to cover your overhead. You have to do all those things, but you're restricted on how much you can actually take in per person that you see because of insurance. So if you can't pass on your increasing costs to your patient, you have to get it from somewhere. So you end up seeing more patients or doing more procedures they actually do go together more. You see more people, more people are coming through, more people are coming through, which means you have less time with each one of them, which means you're going, you're ordering more tests because you don't have time to really understand their problem and get that mind body connection happening with them, help them understand that. So you order more tests, which costs more money. Then they're on a medication because there's no conversation about fixing it, actually fixing the problem. We're going to treat that symptom. Here's your medicine for your high blood pressure. Here's your medicine for your back pain. Here's your medicine for your, whatever thing. Think of the, think of a the thing there's, well, and it's, how many and drugs it's, are advertised on TV, your social anxiety disorder, your whatever
0: things, whatever. Yeah. I can't even imagine the, the patient going, it's like Googling and taking it into the doctor and say, I diagnosed myself on Google and <laughs> I saw you, your skin just <laughs> actually moved across <laughs> the screen. Like I saw it. I, So I know that a doctor, a doctor's got to love it when a patient comes in and says, I need this drug because, because this person looks so happy on TV and it'll fix all my problems. And, but it's, it's, it's right back to that convenience thing. We would rather take a pill. Yes. Than change our lifestyle. Yes. We would rather take the quick fix than do the thing that, and, and so it's a culture, this is a, this is a cultural shift that has to happen we have to care about health we have to care about our body and how it impacts our mind and we have to care about fixing having living living healthy rather than living for convenience and and medicine is more convenient <laughs> than the lifestyle change
1: 100% particularly so in urology one of the things we see is going to the bathroom too often i just go to the bathroom too often well number one what's too often more <laughs> Often than my friends. Okay, so you go every two hours. Believe it or not, guys, every two hours is a good amount of time to go to the bathroom, especially if you're hydrating yourself, drinking well. You're going less, more than that. Okay, we'll talk about what do you drink. I drink coffee all day long. Okay, well, (laughs) it's a diuretic. I'm probably not going to make you a lot better, and it's just an irritant in and of itself. (laughs) But I, I drink. I've been doing this all my life. Okay, well, now you have a problem. So you can either cut it back or you live with your problem. I'm never going to make you where you want to be, but I want a pill to fix me. Okay. Here's the side effects of that medicine.
0: Well, yeah. and, the, and the worst and there's side effects, their side effects. Oh yes. But the worst, I think the worst, and, and it comes up all the time because I'm, I'm big into the mind. I understand. So our, our mind was designed to support this body and make this yes. body feel really good. And, and there's, a, there's triggers in our mind that, that are triggered with anxiety and stress. <clears throat> and they dump cortisol and adrenaline into the body for fight and flight. Yes. Well, fight and flight is designed to run away or get in a big old brawl. Yep. And the majority of people are getting this anxiety and stress sitting at their desk or sitting at their couch, and their body dumps adrenaline and cortisol. <laughs> Brain dumps that into their body, and the body goes, what because <laughs> they're sitting still. Instead of... <laughs> Not triggering fight and flight, not triggering anxiety and stress, and choosing to react differently and recognize that they have a choice where the body can dump dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and these other endorphins, that guess what? Make you feel better. Feel better. Yes. Instead, we're going into the doctor and saying, I feel sad. What can you give me? And now we've got on top of the diabetes epidemic, we've got this epidemic of depression and yeah. anxiety yeah. that we're popping a pill to feel better, treat the symptom rather than have discussions about the cause and understand that, guess what? This drug is going to jack you up even worse. It's going to make your emotions go across the board. And so now you're not going to experience joy at the same level, yeah. but you won't That's- pre- experience sadness at the same level. And, And so it's just more convenience, right? It's if I can take a pill to feel better instead of ooh I have to exercise or ooh I have to, (laughs) I have to deal with this emotion. I need (laughs) to deal with this. Actually, actually deal with. Let's just feel this. Deal with the crappy life I've just created (laughs) for myself. Well, (laughs) and emotions. We've been, you know, I don't know. I was told men don't cry. I was told don't be angry. I was told, you know, suck it up, Buttercup. Rather than recognizing that these emotions are like a dashboard it's like a trigger it's telling my body oh something's happening something's, Ooh, something's happening going on yeah wow okay wait i'm angry what's wrong what just happens my kids are irritating me oh no wait i'm allowing my kids to i have an expectation for my children that they're not <laughs> eating can i That's... change the expectation or could i change the children? Right. And, and and we don't learn. We don't learn. You don't think
1: about there's, that at all. That's a lot of thinking, right there. That's ooh, a lot of
0: thinking. It is, it is <laughs> a lot of thinking. But but if we were taught, if we were taught how our emotions work the same way as if we were taught how money works, yes. Imagine how much. I think it's, there'd be a few people that would would lean in on that. I, I, I think I, they'd rather not take a pill that numbs them, right? I can't. <laughs> I, I I can't imagine
1: not wanting to treat yourself without a pill but i know there's people that don't they just don't every and maybe you've noticed like i've noticed every time there's a new drug that thing just blows up and now there's a big problem with that thing because we need to be able to sell our drugs so this is a thing i woke up the other night Then this whole thing that's been going on for the past few weeks i woke up the other night and wondered why is my bed vibrating what's happening here i have this cooling thing on my bed it's like is this thing What's wrong? Turned it off. Still vibrating. Is the fan, the air conditioner is running. Is the fan like vibrating the house? What's going on? Turned off the air conditioner. I'm still, it's still vibrating. What is happening? I got up, walked into the living room and then all of a sudden I felt my leg. It's like, oh my gosh, it's me vibrating.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. This diagnosis is taking a while. Right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to go back to bed. This
1: is bad. This is bad. I've got way too much happening. I should not be vibrating. So I ultimately went back to sleep and woke up the next day and said, I got to get this out of my life. I got to stop fighting this situation. This has got to go. Otherwise this is, this is not going to end well for me physically. So seeing that is just, I mean, that was an extreme example to me because I had never had that before. Um, Lots of fight and flights happening. Every, everybody has it. Everybody has it. And we react to the smallest things like a a ding on your computer when you didn't expect a ding that's a, a reaction that we have we just we react so fast that we don't even see it or feel it and but it affects you but it really affects recognizing you
0: recognizing that that there's actually a choice the brain's actually waiting for you to choose yes the the brain is waiting for you to choose and most people choose by default because they don't realize that they can choose and they yes. choose they choose drama they choose i mean obviously like drama pays right the television is full of all this drama that pays news is full of all this drama that pays because people absorb it. Facebook and social drive, you know, fill up because of all the drama that people love it. They lean into the drama, they pay for the drama. But if you step out of the drama and you choose the things that you're putting into your mind and it, that gives you more power to choose. Wait, the kids are doing something. Am I irritated by that? Or am I, Oh, they're just having fun. Yeah. Okay. Right. And yeah. And, yes. and and then even the processing the emotions right now I can recognize okay that's anger ooh what's going on and I can ask myself oh what's going on rather than you know go through the house throwing stuff around yes that's typical yes <laughs> <right>? yes because <laughs> it's, it's not my fault and and and, and oh, plenty God. of people you hear them all the time don't make me angry okay. wait what? what you know tell your mother not to make me angry wait how how is she, how is she making you angry right like, yes. Why, the whole victim, did, the victim, and not
1: taking responsibility is a big pet peeve of mine. And when I, that, well, I and have no, our
0: whole culture, right? It's it, our culture is saying that this diabetes, this is somebody else's fault. It's not right? your fault. You're it, fat. It's not your fault. So now You're, we're now, now we're suing, we're suing Walmart and CVS for the opioid crisis. How on earth is it their fault? <laughs> they're they're just the pharmacists. They're they're the distributors. They're not. And now we're treating them like drug dealers, like. We didn't, big pharma created the problem. <laughs> Doctors and, have just, you know, try and, to help their patients not be in pain. They've done exactly what the patient asked them to do. Get me out of pain, help me yes. not be in pain. And they've got the solution. It's right here. Yes. And and and, and now we're going to cut, we're going to blame the middleman. Yep. We yes. we yes. don't want consequences and we want to put the consequences on somebody else and nobody wants to take responsibility. And that's it's the unique. first step for everybody is take responsibility. Personal for responsibility. Life, it's your own body, your yes. own finances. Man, if we take responsibility for our finances and our time and our thoughts. oh, And then, of course, now you you mentioned a broken relationship. And and that's the other piece our schools don't teach is relationships. Yeah. And you talked about entrepreneurship is all about relationships. It's all about relationships. So now entrepreneurs are learning about money. They're learning about (laughs) time and they're learning about their relationships. That's why I believe entrepreneurs are going to save the world because they're the ones at the front edge of this of this opportunity of yeah. new food and and health and 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 taking responsibility for every, all these aspects of your life. And what an incredible opportunity to pass that on to our children as entrepreneurs. Look, you can take responsibility for your time and you can take responsibility for your money and you can take responsibility for your thoughts and and, and then you can take responsibility for your relationships and you're taking responsibility for yourself and that's elevates you to the one percent. Yeah. The point one percent probably. Oh my gosh. Ooh. That's huge. That is that. Wow! Like we could be done.
1: That was huge. If everybody would just would, and I say just like it's so easy, but it's it's not hard. You can do it. It it you, is it is easy, but it does take work. It takes work. It takes work. It takes un, hearing yourself and what you're saying to yourself and how you're thinking and how you're talking to other people. If you just start start noticing how people talk to each other. And just the words that they say, like okay, the words
0: weren't bad, but just you could have put them together a little bit differently and they're sarcasm reacted that way. It's yeah. just sarcasm's it's, so big in our culture, and, and everybody thinks that sarcasm's this cool thing, and, and we're throwing darts at each it's other. A, it's such a passive aggressive way to talk. Oh, it really is. It and, just and it and the worst hap- the worst yeah. happens in your family. You don't do that. You would never talk to your grandma that way. You don't talk to your workers that way. And yet you go home and talk to your family and yourself that way. Yeah what are you doing? No wonder marriage is trashed because we're going home and we're being a smart ass with our family and us. And yeah, these are the people you're supposed to be lifting up and building up. And that's, so that's the name of my company, right? Add value to life, add value to entrepreneurs because I want to lift people up. Yeah, I'm in my marriage to lift my wife up. I want to make her better. I want to make my kids better instead of, There's so many parents that are fearful of their kids being better than them, man. I want my kids better. Oh
1: man. My kids are better than me. They are so much better than me. Um, My daughter, I have two daughters, 27 and 30 and my, they both give me so much Mm. and just, just different ways to see things like, well, even one time I sent my niece something and she reacted in a way that I didn't understand. Why did you, why'd you get so angry? I said to my daughter, what I said, she goes, well, I could see how that could have happened. You could have said that a little differently. And it just made me look at it. it was like, oh man, okay. I got to go apologize to her for the way that came across. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they are always showing me, always, always showing me different ways, different things and ways to be more responsible even. And they are doing it. And we, we hold each other. And like you said, lift each other up to be better.
0: So, just, I, you know, I, 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 I told a story once from the stage about getting down on my knees and apologizing to my son for making, I was wrong. i I made a mistake and I wanted him to know that I owned it. I'm, you know, I hurt him and, and I, I wanted him to know that, look, I care. I'm, I'm going to own that. And, and I'm going to try not to do it again. Yes. Right. And, and I had people tell me I would never, I would never talk to my kid that way. And I'm like, what? It's never about power and control. My, my, my role as a father is temporary. It's a it's a position I've been a responsibility I've been given on the for a short term. Yeah, I, this human being has to go out and 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 create a life of their own. It's not about power and control. And, and so many relationships end up being about power and control. And and we all see where that goes. We yeah. all see what happens when when you exercise authority in that way. And I think, you know, one of my big things and and I hope it comes through on podcasts on a regular basis is I'm a champion for getting rid of these categories that we I mean obviously we all we're we're all in, in these categories right we male and female and black and white and and all the other minorities and um, we put people in these boxes and then and we say no no in that box you can only do this or in this box you can only do that and and it's giving us permission to devalue a person based on this category that we've put them in. And yeah we no we're I- all humans we we were all human across the board every single one of, 8 nearly 8 billion on this planet. And what happens if we all started saying I want to do something that helps other humans? Yes. The That's human race. I'm it, like
1: I'm such a human race person when you talk about racism, I'm like, well, I thought there was only one human race and everything else is an ethnicity or a culture
0: or something else. And and, and let's embrace the differences. It, let's let's learn from the differences and and but I and it's the same thing. I want to eliminate these gaps. I want there's no reason for these gaps. And yeah. sure, there's there's an education gap. And, you know, women didn't get into the workforce until the 40s. And, you know, they didn't get to go to school. And you know what? They're so much smarter. They're so much wiser. There's so much instinct and, and yes. intuition that they have that they bring to the table. Even if they don't have an education, they have a voice. Anybody. Yes. Ooh, and that's absolutely. one thing
1: I I really, really practice is I can learn something from everybody, anybody. Amen. Anytime, it doesn't matter what their education is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. None of that matters. Everybody has a different experience, and asking questions and listening is the way we're we're going to solve so many of our problems. If we would just do that, just ask a question and not make right? an assumption. That is exactly right. It's, be curious. Don't make assumptions that you understand
0: where somebody is by the way they look, the way they dress, what they do. It's, even even if they're. De- I think that's the challenge. Is we we make this erroneous assumption that our way is right yeah and so that yeah. everybody else's way of doing stuff it has to be wrong, wrong. yes and, and instead of instead of trying to say well you do that different than I do it how come how, how yeah. come what? you know I mean I, I've been in Africa watching people sweep dirt floors and you know here and here we wouldn't sweep dirt floors most <laughs> like, of the time but yeah, yeah it's just different. It's not wrong. they are getting rid of the dust. And for them, that's what, you know, that's what they want to do. You and do. so just embrace the differences and, and, and learn to what try to understand the differences. And, oh, that's actually really cool why you do heck, that that way. Heck, that might make some sense for my life. Let me try that. Man. Imagine that. <laughs> All right, Felicia, chatting with these entrepreneurs, and I want you to share your big dream.
1: Oh, my big dream is, um, wow, well, in the in the food realm, that there's no food deserts, that everybody has access to good, healthy food in the in a bigger scale that people would come together and share ideas in a way that we could all work together to make everything better for everybody. So that mm. the collaboration, instead of us cooperating for a little while doing this, let's do this together, let's do this together, come together and throw out all the ideas. So we come out with a better idea than any one of us could come up with together and make whatever that thing is we're working on. Everybody, all of us have a thing we're here to do. All of us have a thing we're here to do better. Ooh. Get with the other people that are here to do that with you and go. That's my the dream of a better world by everyone working together to create that thing that's my big big one it's like i just it just can happen i believe
0: it really can happen absolutely all right so i just end every episode with you giving you the chance to to share your words of wisdom with these entrepreneurs that are listening
1: i I guess the biggest one is if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur stop thinking about it do it just Put your big girl and big boy pants on and do it. You don't have to quit everything else before you do it, but take that step to start contributing what you're here to contribute. Because if you hear it in your heart, that is Mm -hmm. what you are here to do. If you're doing something already and you're hearing you should be doing something different, it's time to make that change. Do what you're here to do and all the rest will fall into place.
0: So good. Felicia, thank you so much for joining me today. What a wonderful conversation! We went all over the place a little bit, but I think it was very valuable. It's fun,
1: yes, yes. I hope it helps somebody. I really do. That's what I, I love talking to people. I really, I really. That's the part about medicine that I really, really enjoyed was getting to meet somebody and get to know them and help them to understand a problem. <laughs> and we just didn't have time for that on a regular basis,
0: so I'll do right. it a different way. <laughs> like it, I love it. Thank you so much. What a, yeah, just, just fantastic. If you enjoyed the show, please like subscribe or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's ADD value mindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADD value In our next episode, Grace Howe and Robert talk about generational entrepreneurs and how that increases the potential and impact. She also shared how the lessons of being a mother of eight have impacted her ability to coach and mentor because she understands the power of listening and being present. Time given to one is time taken from another, so you need to be very intentional with your time.